I sort of see these books and even my fiction books as the way I used to sneakily slip pureed vegetables into my kids' pasta sauce. <laughs> um, and these, I think, are a great way to either learn about the state you live in or the state you're about to visit or the state that Aunt Susie lives in or someplace that you dream to go. From NCPR, welcome to Northwards. People, ideas, and conversations from and about northern New York, Vermont, and beyond. I'm Mitch Tyke. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from Joe Steininger and Mary McDonald in support of the Adirondack Foundation, building stronger Adirondack communities. So at my school, when I was growing up, there were different kinds of nerds. You had your math nerds, your science nerds, you had the bookworms. Because I am old, there were no computer nerds just yet. Anyway, if there was one category that I fell into in those days... I would have been called a geography nerd or maybe a map geek. I loved any chance to learn about new places. I once got into trouble for running across an Exxon station parking lot when we were on a road trip to ask my dad to get a road map back in the days when gas stations still gave out road maps. In elementary school one year, the little milk cartons that we got had fascinating facts about each of the states on the sides. I actually cut them out and saved them in a quixotic attempt to collect all 50. I never did get Arkansas, and I have no idea. My mom probably threw them out. Anyway, I've still never been to Paris, but I have a distinct image of the place from a picture book in my childhood library called This is Paris. Maps and atlases and picture books were the way my world felt larger than the suburb where I was growing up. So... I would have loved Heather Alexander's new book for kids. It's called Only in New York, and it's one of those picture books that's chock full of fun illustrations about all corners of our state and the kinds of facts that the eight-year-old me would have repeated to my friends at the lunch table and my friends would have ignored. In fact, a 54-year-old me loves the book anyway. Heather Alexander doesn't live in the North Country. In fact, she doesn't even live in New York anymore. But as we'll hear, our part of the state holds a special place in her heart. Heather Alexander, nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You have written many books for young readers uh, about a lot of subjects, uh, about a lot of places. But this is the first one you've written about your home state. It is. I was born down in New York City. Uh, spent a lot of summers up in the Adirondacks. Um, this book is one of many that came from a series originally called Only in America, and that series dealt with every state in the United States, and we are now rolling them out one by one. <laughs> so growing up in New York City, what were, what were the Adirondacks? What was the North Country to you? I actually went to camp um, myself, my brother, the rest of my family, we went to camp on Brant Lake. My stepfather actually went to camp for years on Schroon Lake. Oh, yeah. You know, in my childhood memories, uh, Dairy Queen in Chestertown <laughs> was the ultimate. Um, I'm also dating myself, but Storytown, in, which was what? Storytown in Lake George. And even I can very much remember going camping on Mount Marcy. Later on in life, my own kids, I taught my oldest child how to water ski on Loon Lake. <laughs> also growing up, I was a figure skater. So came up to Lake Placid for competitions, but can remember family tobogganing onto the frozen lake. And at the time, 
going to Lake Placid was so much more than any other competition just because of all the history there and what it signified. So let's get to the book, Only in New York. How did you how did you set about tackling this project? Because, you know, it, it'd be one thing to do only in Delaware or, you know, only Rhode Island. That would Island. be easier. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> New York's really diverse place. It's a process that I use for, I've been using for the other state books, um, especially these big states that we're starting out with, which are so vast. As you know, the skyscrapers of New York City are different from the mountains of the Adirondacks or the beaches of Long Island. Um, so I first divide it regionally, and then I also make myself a list of categories. We have fun things like festivals, inventions, plants, animals. And then I do a deep dive into weird and wonderful <laughs> facts, and I just collect everything. I worry about what category they go in later. Um, and then once I have a huge amount of facts, I start to dig into them, fact check them to see where they most belong, and to see that they are family friendly and fun facts for kids. <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I have to say, I was I was reading through this book and uh, looking especially at the areas that uh, we reach here at, at NCPR and the Thousand Islands are smack dab in the middle of our coverage area. And I had no idea, for example, that the world's smallest inhabited island was in the Thousand Islands. Exactly, just enough island. So there's only space for a family, one family's very tiny cabin and one tree, but it is inhabited, so it makes it the world's smallest inhabited island. Right, you actually write in here uh, what makes something count as an island, and it has to... Uh... To be an official island here, um, a piece of land must stay above water 365 days a year, be larger than one square foot, and have at least one living tree or shrub on it. <laughs> yes, larger than one square foot, because I think smaller than that, it just counts as a rock, right? Basically, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what were your blind spots? What What did you feel like you had to get most back in touch with? Because, I mean, you, as you say, you grew up in New York State, New York City in particular, but spent time in, uh, in the Adirondacks. I think you went to college in New York as well. But now you're out in California. What did you have to get most back in touch with to be able to kind of do this credibly? Um, I think... Understanding that my New York State is not your New York State, is not somebody else's New York State, even regionally, the city that you live in and the city that I live in, while we share common parts of it, we each have a different view of it. And so really trying to find universal facts that are engaging to the most amount of people on the same level. It's funny you mentioned that. I mean, um, I uh, I have a sister who lives in New York City, and it always amazes me when we go down there to visit that as we're walking around, you know, the Flatiron District or wherever, that we're actually in the same city. We haven't left the state. Exactly. No, it's, I mean, New York is huge and all the differences. That's why. That's why it's <laughs> a fabulous state. So, so doing these this series of books, do you think you know? Do you produce these books expecting that it's going to be kids in New York who are reading these, or is the idea to excite people from other places who might be coming to visit New York? I think it's both. I think um, I'm definitely looking for those kids who are learning about New York State. I think it tends to be fourth, sometimes fifth grade, and this is a you know, while you are having your textbook learning, this is another fun way to get into it. It's a way to ignite curiosity, even though they're tidbit facts. Hopefully you will take a fact, let's say about the moose calling contest in Indian Lake. 
and go and find out what a moose call sounds like. It and, will delight you to know that I have done an interview about the moose calling contest okay, in Indian good, Lake. Good. And I have indeed heard what a moose call sounds like, or at least right. a moose call as represented by uh, any a number human, of people. Yes. Um, what would you hope the the ideal thing that your young readers might get out of this? I mean, you were talking about this being, you know, to pique kids' curiosity, and I can totally imagine, you know, a fourth or fifth grader who gets an assignment that, you know, they have to do a project about New York being able to pull from this. But, uh, I mean, I guess reflect on, like, how reading affected your interest in the world around you and how you see a book like this doing a, a similar thing. I mean, reading was huge to me. I ended up, I mean, I was an avid reader of everything. And I actually believe that there's no one right thing to read. Not everybody has to read the great American novel. You can read the back of a cereal box. You can read a trivia book. You are still reading, you are still learning. And I think my goal is also to give something interactive, not only for kids, for, for families. Um, I think this book is a fun book because you get to dip in, you don't have to put aside a huge chunk of time to read. And it's great things for grandparents to quiz kids or vice versa backwards, um, you know, different ways to do that. So you have written how many books at this point? Oh, uh, somewhere up towards 80. Um, <laughs> not all of them are under my own name. Sometimes I have used other names in the past. But as you're talking to us, we're, we're talking on Zoom right now, and you have this uh, bookshelf behind you. And I imagine a lot of the books on that bookshelf are your own books. They are, yes. <laughs> uh, how, do you, how do you see this series kind of fitting in uh, the, like the context of everything that you've done? I mean, in, uh, does it scratch a particular itch? Um, I write both nonfiction and fiction for kids, different ages. Um, and I think above all, all the books, even the fiction ones, deal with curiosity, with learning. I sort of see these books and even my fiction books as the way I used to sneakily slip pureed vegetables into my kids' pasta sauce. <laughs> um, so I think that there's a lot of different ways that kids can pick up information and learn and have it be fun. Um, and these, I think, are a great way to either learn about the state you live in or the state you're about to visit or the state that Aunt Susie lives in or someplace that you dream to go. I remember reading books, and uh, I, I forget who the uh, the author, and it might even have been an author illustrator, but I grew up reading, uh, it was like, this is Paris, this is London. Right, and, yes, those uh, are great books. They, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're gorgeous books, and they were also really aspirational, and sort of at one level, uh, they made me want to go to these places, but on another level, they made me feel like I'd already been there. True, and I, and I think that's the... the Amazing thing about reading, um, you know, as they say, they call it the armchair traveler. You can be anywhere in the world. Uh, so you were saying you might have a couple of uh, a handful of sure. uh, trivia questions uh, for us about the state where we're talking to you well, from. I think we're, so I'm going to have to the reader, I guess, or listener can play along, but I'm going to have to ask you and see what you come up. Oh, with. all right. <laughs> all righty. Since since you are in the Thousand Island area, do you know exactly how many islands there are? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say it was a thousand, but I do not. But it's not actually. It's one thousand eight hundred and sixty-four. 
So really, um, if we are rounding it, it could be the 2000 islands. It could, it could. And there is, let's say, there's a carousel in Saranac Lake. And each wooden animal has another animal carved into it. Do you happen to know what animal is carved into every carousel animal there? I drive past that carousel uh, pretty <laughs> frequently, and I have no idea what the uh, what the animal carved into the other animals is. There's a little ladybug carved into each one. Is there really? <laughs> um, let's see what else I got for you. Where can you find the world's largest freshwater maritime museum? The world's largest freshwater maritime museum. Um... Hmm. Ready for the answer? <laughs> Plattsburgh. Well, it's the Antique Boat Museum in Clayton. Oh, of course. Yes. There you go. <laughs> there, you know that, right? <laughs> and I'll leave you with one more. Okay. Um, what is growing up through and out the roof of the Haas Country Store in Long Lake? Another place that I drive past pretty frequently and um, how about a birch tree? A tree, yes. Okay, a tree. all right. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what kind of tree. Shoot, yes, I got one of them right anyway, batting, batting 250. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, Heather Alexander, it's uh, just a, a delight to meet you. And uh, the book is a lot of fun. I, uh, I really uh, enjoyed, I, you know, it makes me, makes me miss the days that my kids were young enough that they, uh, they might even appreciate it today as, uh, as, older, uh, as older kids and older readers. But, right. uh, uh, but they're just fun books to look through. Thank you. I appreciate it. Heather Alexander's new book for young readers is called Only in New York, Weird and Wonderful Facts About the Empire State. But you can't have my copy because I am still reading it. You can, though, find a link to weird and wonderful facts about Heather Alexander at our website, ncpr.org northwards. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke. I hope you enjoyed our interview, and you can catch new content every Friday right here or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about Northwards and NCPR on our mobile app or at our website, ncpr.org. And while you're there, make a donation to support everything you hear on North Country Public Radio. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media, Bill Hanel is our digital director, and Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.